J.J. Cooper, Jeff Ponce here, another Baseball America Prospect Hot Sheet Podcast. Jeff, normally it's you and the bear who do this, but I, I get to fill in for a week, which is exciting. I've got a podcast in a while. So we get to talk prospects today. If you're a Tigers fan, you're probably going to enjoy this conversation because there's a lot of Tigers on the hot, hot sheet this week. If you're a Cubs fan, there's some guys to talk about. If they're, But if you're a fan of prospects, most importantly, there's a lot of guys to talk about. And we're going to dive straight in. But before we do that, Jeff, how are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, it's been a busy week here. You know, a lot of writing. We got the Cape Cod League Top 50 also hit the uh, website today. Uh, great work there by Peter Flaherty. And, uh, you know, of course, myself. It was nice to have, you know, two sets of hands to sort of <laughs> work on this stuff and, and cover the league this year. So um really like the list really like how it came out and uh just the amount of information everything else that we're able to provide so that was uh a big uh you know piece of, uh, of work that's kind of off my my plate now uh so i can open up and start working on some other stuff here toward the end of the season i think i have some more interesting content coming forward but uh kind of getting through the the last sort of uh bit of the stretch run here after you know the draft and then we have all the top 30 updates oh, yeah. and trade deadline and the cape cod league and it's just really that month I, i've started to realize is uh my busiest time of the year so feeling pretty good because i've kind of come out of it now and <laughs> feeling as if i did something pretty good but and by the way along those lines if you uh if you're listening to this make sure that you're also heading to baseballamerica.com for we have our, our chats are back yeah, thankfully now we have working chat software. And so uh, Jeff is chatting today. If you're listening to this relatively quickly on Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern today, Jeff will chat. But if you're a Baseball America subscriber and you don't make it to that one, or if you do, come back over tomorrow. I'll be chatting at 2 p.m. tomorrow as well, uh, basically just kind of celebrating the fact that we have chat software again, just answering kind of whatever baseball questions you guys want to talk about. So we'll probably be trying to do a little bit more regular chatting now that we have chat software that works. So come join us, baseballamerica.com. But Jeff, as we dive in here, our number one on the hot sheet this week is a prospect who, it's a really good story that he's number one this week because I was really worried. Alex, Alexander Canario has been a prospect for, for a pretty good while now. We remember when he was coming up in the Giants org, traded, and had a really solid year last year. Looked like he was kind of on the cusp. And then in winter ball, suffered a pretty scary injury, pretty significant leg injury. Kind of the question of, okay, how's he going to look after he get, gets back? And, and here we are, the... I would say, again, we root for prospects. The very good news is, is that he looks to be back. He's number one on the hot sheet this week, a 458, 462, 1125 week with four home runs. That's four of the eight home runs he's hit. He's only had uh, 34 games in, in AAA this year after a, a, a brief little rehab stint. But I, I think the key thing is, is for a guy who's coming back from injury, you know, it's a 674 slugging percentage this month. He's finishing very strong. But if you're, uh, you know, if, if you're a Cubs fan or if you're Alexander Canario fan, what what should we be expecting from him going forward, do you think, Jeff? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, what we've seen with this guy over the last year plus, you know, of course he, you know, had the un- really unfortunate injury in winter ball where, um, you know, fell and had multiple injuries uh, on the same play. So in different parts of his body. Um, so he's had to recover from that. And, you know, I think there was a lot of enthusiasm sort of coming out of last season um, in a similar vein to, you know, what we saw with uh, Matt Mervis. Um, you know, Canario was a, another guy who was really slugging his way up the the upper minors and, and up the ladder and looked like he could potentially see some pretty decent run this year um, with Chicago, especially coming out of last season. Um, you know, a guy that's, I think, been on the 40 man now for a couple of years as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's sort of, um, you know, interesting because I think the thing that he had shown last year in particular is the strikeouts were at a manageable point. He's always going to strike out quite a bit. He's a little bit of a three true outcome guy. The walk rate isn't crazy, but he walks enough. And there's, a, there's you know, 25 to 30 home run power here. So, you know, I think you're looking at um, – a really good, you know, number five, maybe number six hitter, depending upon the quality of your team for a bunch of years. And and that's really what the hope is, is that, you know, he's not going to be necessarily the middle of your lineup, but kind of that, that back end protection for, you know, your three, four or, or five hitter and uh, can provide some, some value there as, as a slugger. So kind of an interesting player for sure. And, and I think the other thing that we, we need to hit on here is, is, both of us, as you might know, uh, kind of enjoy the rule five. He's been on, as you noted, he's been on the 40 man for, this is his third option this year. I, again, option rules are tricky, but I'm guessing he probably gets a fourth because of uh, uh, the, the re- because of the injuries he's had and all. I, again, I'm, I'm not saying that certain Matt Eddy might be able to say, certainly he's getting a fourth, but I feel like there's a good chance. But that said, his spot on the 40-man roster, if he had not come back and shown that he's kind of back to something similar to what he was before, might have gotten a little bit tenuous if you're the Cubs. Like, you might have looked at it and said, is this a guy that we can kind of float through and and designate for assignment, maybe get him through that and, and just put him on the minor league roster? But I don't think that's probably the case right now just because, again, he is showing that he's back largely i think to what to what he was before and i i think you summed him up very well but that is kind of a a guy who y- you have those decisions to make especially once he's only the crazy thing is is he's still 23 it's just that he's already been on the 40 man for for quite a while at, at this point but going a little further than that on this hot sheet I, I did also want to talk about we saw the major league debut of hunter goodman uh now but he left, he leaves the minors as the minor league home run leader. And you, you've, you know, our Rockies probably as well as anyone you do our Rockies list. So, you know, the Rockies as well as anyone that we have at baseball America, but what are we looking at? Like, what are we seeing right now from Hunter Goodman and what should fans be looking for now that he's up to see what he's, what he can or can't do over the remainder of the season? Yeah, I think, you know, the thing that we saw very early on in the season with Goodman, and we we sort of called it out, was his ability um, to be a little bit more patient and the contact was a little bit more consistent. 
this is really from the the very beginning um with Hartford you know he was a guy that ran you know eight percent or lower walk rates all of last season um I think if you went underneath the hood and you look at the chase rate you looked at the whiff rate the end zone whiff rate you were like all right this guy's strikeout rate could potentially really blow up um in triple a or once he gets up to the majors which still could happen but i felt as if this year he was a little bit more selective there was stuff he wasn't fooled by as much and really just sort of stayed within his game and, and tried to mash stuff you know sort of on the inner half um was where he was attacking so didn't necessarily have the the best batted ball luck um over that stretch in hartford but you know, still a 125 WRC plus um, slug 523 with a 10% walk rate um, strikeout rate was below 25% there. And he hit, you know, 25 home runs, um, hit nine in AAA. He's now up in the major leagues now has had a couple games under his belt. I do think he's going to swing and miss there. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be someone who's going to run super high walk rates, but let's say through this first taste of the majors, over a 30 40 game stretch if he can stay within that eight nine percent range and try to keep that strikeout rate you know around 30 percent or below um i think you're going to see that he can be a productive offensive player particularly in that environment in colorado the biggest thing for him though is is uh i think if you watch him enough he's a streaky streaky hitter he'll get on these runs where he will hit everything hard and deep <laughs> in the park for you know two weeks and then he can go really really cold for a couple of weeks some of it will be just bad luck in terms of you know maybe miss hitting a ball at 110 and it just you know is sort of an easy play in the outfield um you'll see a lot of that there is some swing and miss um i will say this though i think there's very few hitters that get on plane and, and elevate as as well as goodman does he has sort of an innate ability to do that so he is a he's a really interesting player defensively he's not a catcher long term he's probably not a left fielder long term though he played a lot of that this year with hartford um probably first base or, or dh and i really think you know his sustainability as a major leaguer comes down to those plate skills if they continue to improve and and tick up over the next couple of years he can get to a point where he's making an average amount of contact in the zone and you know chasing at uh an above average to you know um hard average sort of rate i think he probably can sustain for seven eight nine years as a slugger, you know, maybe in the, the form of like a CJ Cron kind of a play or someone like that. But, you know, we'll see because there is uh, still some question marks with the hit tool and, and the plate skills, though there's been improvement um, year over year. Okay. I just got to be honest. Like when you lay that out, here's my reason that I'm a little skeptical. Mainly it goes down to what you just said, which is he's not a catcher. I, ideally, you want him to at least remain plausibility as beyond emergency to be third catcher, but third catchers are hard. Every time I think about that, it becomes really hard to envision how a player who you don't trust at catcher becomes a third catcher, because then you think about it in the actual games, right? Third catcher involves like, Oh, we pinch ran for, or we pinch hit for our starting catcher. And then we brought in the backup. And then by the way, we, pinch ran for him or pinch hit for him, or there was an injury. <laughs> right. And then 
here comes in Goodman, and it's like it's probably five, five, eight, eight in the tenth in this kind of scenario. And do you really want the guy who you're not really all that confident about his catching to be the guy who's catching in a situation like that? And it's like, oh yeah, by the way, we've got one of our nastiest relievers hopefully on the mound, and uh, there's a runner on second, and uh, don't let a ball get by you. Here we go. Okay, let's go get this. And that's the problem. And then if you say like, again, Goodman was always thought of coming out of the draft as a really athletic catcher, but for his size and all that, but he's not an outfielder as well. Okay. Now we're, like you said, now we're in the first base slash DH category. Well, that's just a much, I mean, that's just a really tough road, partly because how many teams really have guys who are, if not full-time DHs, dedicated DHs, especially if they're coming up as a 23-year-old, it's going to put a lot, lot, as you said, a lot of expectations on that bat to do that. And that's where I'm still a little bit concerned. Right. You put all that together, and hey, again, it's not like it's an impossible path, but it is a tough one because when it comes to roster flexibility, when it comes to where when you want to, how much at-bats he's going to get, he better really mash or it's going to be, uh, you know, difficult to uh, to kind of to put that all together. So sure. I'm going to give you dealer's choice on the next one, Jeff. Who's the next guy that you want to talk about? Um, so I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to sort of um, mention Colt Keith, you know, Zach Desenzo, yeah. Colt Keith, Desenzo was two. I didn't want to go backwards. I figure we'll keep moving forward. Um, you know, Keith is a guy that, uh, you know, is, continued to impress at each level he's gone to had a great week this week of course in triple a there has been some roster movement on the 40-man roster I believe there's maybe one or two open spots now on that tigers 40-man i don't know jj would the tigers potentially jump at the chance to add keith here late in the season get him some opportunities and then sort of roll into 2024 with Keith as an everyday player or, you know, of course, part of that 26 man roster um, kind of wondering, cause I've seen some of these whispers. I've seen some of it, you know um, some of the moves that they've made recently in terms of clearing some space. So I guess I, I wonder who could potentially be coming up. Um, and if uh, there might be an opportunity for Keith here to play down the last month of the season and then sort of head into next year as a, you know, a guy that has a little bit of major league time under his belt and, Maybe he's a little bit more prepared heading into the offseason. It's possible. But the tough part, I think, about that is, is that he's not a guy who's going to be needed to be added to the 40-man in the sure. offseason. 2020 high school draftee. So you still got one more year. And so kind of with that, it's like even if you think that he's going to go to spring training next year competing for a job, do you want to add him to the 40-man roster six months early, which may limit you at least a little bit in your off-season roster flexibility. I don't think that the Tigers are in a position where that's a particularly dire problem right now. So I can see the argument for doing so, but but I I think there's that. The other question that is still out there a little bit is okay, and this may be where you could I could argue on both sides of my mouth, while you maybe could bring him up is where's he going to play? Mm. You know, where is he going to not even long-term home, but what's his 
What's his short-term home? What's his more immediate home? He's played a lot of second, a lot of third this year. But when we, you know, when we get feedback and all, we don't really have that. Oh, everyone seems to believe in the bat. There's less belief in the, hey, this is a third baseman is going to stay this there. Is an the yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's where I think that, that maybe this gets a little trickier um, right now, you know, to, to go back to that. And the other thing I would say with that is, is it's not like it, you could absolutely bring him up, but it's 44 games in AAA right now. So it is not something where we're talking about a guy who's being robbed. If you say, no, no we're just yeah, going to sure. finish the season strong in, in AAA. But as you noted, it really is impressive. I, I think one of the things I'm most impressed with is, is how he's just steadily, he was not ever kind of looked lost after he got called up AAA, but he's just gotten steadily better. Um, yeah. I, I it, As we noted in Hot Sheet this week, one strikeout in a week in pretty much, I don't care who you are, is is really impressive. And to do it, in the course of a week where you hit, you know, you have uh, three doubles and three home runs and you walk six times and you strike out once. Okay. That Louisville staff's not exactly uh, the, the, you know, uh, uh, the 70 Orioles right now, but it is something where against anyone that's impressive. And that's just something he's steadily done. You saw the strikeout rate kind of climb a little bit when he first made it to the, to the, triple a but at since then it's it's gone right back to where it was this is a guy who's a hitter i think this is the thing that you've kind of always emphasized with colt keith is this is a guy there is some power there but this guy is also a hitter as well and that's what kind of makes him really interesting here and that's where i do think it may whether it's september of this year but i do think you are going to see him be a factor for detroit next year at some point mainly because they, this is a team that could use some hitters. Now, we know his his numbers in Detroit may be a little bit uh, skinnier than what you want because that's what Comerica Park does. But but overall, I, I do think this is absolutely the guy that the Tigers are, are really kind of counting on to become part of what is still needs to develop in a young core. Um, and Spencer Torkelson having a little bit of a better season this year is obviously yeah. – positive sign for that but they need more they need a, a good bit more and, and that's where i think colt keith obviously plays a role in that but but speaking of i'm jumping ahead but as we said this is a good week for tigers we also have wenzel perez on the list we also have uh uh i gotta go to the bottom and edis leonard on the list and i did want to talk about i'm going to jump in before we and talk about i'm going to jump all the way to the bottom because i wrote up edis leonard I think it's Edis. It's maybe Eddie's. I, again, I, I need to check a pronunciation on that. So I'm apologizing <laughs> in advance, but with Leonard, this is the kind of thing where I like what the Tigers did here in that it may seem like I'm damning them with faint praise here, but the Dodgers, who, as we all know, is an absolutely loaded system that, that basically is trying to, to fit prospects onto an overstuffed 40 man roster. You would not be asking me that Colt Keith question if we were talking about the Dodgers, if he was a Dodger, because it's like, there's no room. There's too many guys that need to be protected. But they designated Leonard for assignment, who and Leonard was not having a 
a bad, a terrible season or anything like that. The Tigers acquire him and he's been great. He's been really good. And I don't think he's likely a regular. We'll see. But the key thing that he does, when we just talked about Cole Keefe and he said, where does he play? The difference with Leonard is, is if you say, where does Leonard play? And the answer is yes. You know, he's played, he's played second base, shortstop, center field. There's enough athleticism there. There's enough ability to play really multiple spots. And that might be his path to the majors. We do want to hit on a couple more guys, but we're going to take a quick break before we do that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back. So I, I look at this list this week and another guy, again, we're jumping around at this point. Now we're in the jumping around portion of this, but, but I did want to talk to you about, especially because we've talked about offline about Thomas Segesi, who's been, has, who's kind of introduced himself very nicely to his new uh, Cardinals teammates by going off to double a Springfield and, and really hitting, but First impressions are always important, but but Jeff, what are you seeing? What are we seeing from Segesi, and and what do you think it means, kind of for for how he fits with the with the Cardinals? Yeah, I think he has a really good balance of overall skills, um, you know, in terms of approach, bat to ball ability, um, good attack angles and launch angles at the point of contact. And there's a little bit of power. Um, I do think the numbers have outperformed his underlying power numbers if you if you dig in deep um mm-hmm. doesn't hit the ball all that hard and i think we've kind of learned with maybe like a player like kyle manzardo um just temper expectations in terms of what the power upside maybe is versus what some of these guys are doing in in the minors um and he has been in friendly environments i mean he spent all of this season um in the Texas league, you know, uh, when he was with, with Texas and, and playing with, uh, with Frisco and, you know, now is with Springfield, uh, in the, in the St. Louis organization, he's not going to strike out a lot, but it's not elite bat to ball skills. Um, 
he'll walk a little bit. Uh, it, he's kind of been outperforming the, the walk rate uh, or the chase rates uh, quite a bit um, since the trade deadline. Um, and I think the big thing with him is he gets the most out of his power because of, of good angles. So, um, you know, I, I think that he's a really solid player, uh, probably more a second baseman than a shortstop or a third baseman um, long-term. Uh, but as a guy that I'll probably dig in a little bit more on now that some scouts, you know, that have the St. Louis organization, which of course I have in the off season are getting an opportunity to see him a little bit more for the first time and dig in a little bit more on him. Um, so as I get more feedback, we'll, we'll maybe readjust, but I think he's a kind of a, a borderline 45, 50 type of player, very much a tweener profile. I mean that not just from a positional standpoint, but also in terms of his skill set. Um, but there's like nothing that's really like overwhelming kind of jumping out at you, but there's a lot of fifties here, I think. Um, and current turn out to be, you know, a pretty good everyday regular, um, or sort of a, an offensively slanted second division regular that maybe has some, some pretty decent, you know, offensive seasons. So I think he can hit. Um, I don't think this guy is like a future all-star or anything along those lines, uh, just based on some of the underlying numbers and having watched, it's an excellent swing. He certainly can hit. Um, but you know, my expectation is more that he's a regular versus, which is a great a thing to, to go and right. trade yeah, for. Yeah, we're not, frankly, yeah, we're not I mean, saying that's that not that's bad. Him. I just don't think that this guy is, you know, going to have all-star seasons or anything along those lines, unless he's on a really bad team and he's their best hitter. Then I guess it's possible. <laughs> uh, the thing I think is also notable is he's played again. He's another guy who's played in multiple positions, but since he became a Cardinal, and this obviously can also depend a little bit on team need and all, even just at the you know at, at a at a minor league level. But he's been very much primarily a second baseman since the Cardinals acquired him, which I do think is useful and kind of notable because I think that probably is his best long term home. Um, but he played second, short, and third. When he was with the Rangers, now he's he has played a little bit of third as well, but primarily as second baseman since he became a Cardinal. And I, I think that's obviously worth kind of paying attention to, keeping an eye on. The other guy I wanted to ask you about, then I'll let you kind of take uh, take us in, you know, like a, who we missed. But Trayvon Dombrowski, I, I find interesting, not in a, like, he is the kind of guy that I expect to succeed in Class A. If you can locate and you have a changeup, and he has both of those things, you you can expect to succeed. That said, I do think it's worth bringing attention to just how much he succeeds when he succeeds. I do think it's notable that this week he threw five perfect innings, which is the second time this year that he's thrown five perfect innings in an outing. And he also has an outing where he threw 4.2 hitless innings so just a reminder that when the changeups work and when he's locating and when hitters aren't ready for it, he can really dominate. Now, I will see how that plays at upper levels. There's not a massive amount of velocity there. I don't know yeah. if the breaking ball is really overwhelming or anything like that. But again, you want to give credit to where credit's due. And five perfect innings at any level is really impressive. But who else do we? Who else have we not covered, Jeff? That you want us to talk? About? I wanted to cover the back end of the top ten. One of these these sure. three names because, it, funny enough, we have a lot of Cubs. We have 
a lot of Tigers. We also have three guys from Massachusetts almost consecutively in the top 10. And that would be Ian Seymour, who's from right down the road for me. Uh, ben Rice, um, who's a player I watched on the Cape and actually wrote him up this week. And uh, Josh has bemoaned my love of Ben Rice as a non-drafted free agent that didn't play collegiate baseball for two years because he was an Ivy League guy coming out of the pandemic. Played for Worcester, uh, so I saw a little bit of him playing against Sal Frelick and Cody Morissette and some of those guys with a Futures League because that was the only baseball I could watch way back in 2020. So I'd shoot over to Worcester and I would I would see this guy that would mash day after day from Dartmouth and think, ah, he probably isn't anything. This is the Futures League. And then um, lo and behold, he's on Katuit the next summer. <laughs> hits with Katuit, gets drafted in the 12th round, um, kind of stewed around a little bit, has dealt with some injuries, but he's up in double A now, and he's really hit over the last two weeks. I had him on the hot sheet, had been talked out of him last week, uh, and had him swap for somebody else. Um, so he could have been on two consecutive weeks of hot sheets. He's been hitting that much since he's joined Somerset. I think it's a really fun story. Um, I just, you know, for me, and I think for you too, some of these guys that are on the fringes, the NDFAs, the smaller school guys, the Ivy guys. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a different approach uh, into pro ball than you're getting from guys in power five conferences or that are coming off the, the showcase circuit that were big names. Um, but it's one of the things that's great about baseball is that guys like this can make careers and get pretty good with, you know, some work and just being in the right situation. And uh, last one I'll shout out is Matt Shaw, who, has been as good as any draftee just about, particularly the college guys coming out of the draft. He's up in double A now. So he joined Skeens and Cruz and some others that you know are up at that level. Um, fresh, you know, a month or so out of the draft. We're seeing the speed, we're seeing the power, we're seeing the bat to ball ability. The approach has been a little bit aggressive, but I think some of that has been the level of competition that Shaw's faced. And, and I think we see that guys will be a little bit more aggressive and swinging at a little bit more stuff because they're seeing the ball well and they're facing competition and a level of stuff that they're just very comfortable hitting. Um, so I think that's what we've seen with Shaw so far. I'm really high in this Cubs system in general. I think they've done a great job with hitters and Shaw's really athletic. He's got a lot of tools, a lot of abilities. He's not a shortstop long-term, but I think he'll be a pretty good bat first, second baseman, um, you know, with speed, with power and uh, just overall hitting ability. He's an exciting player. I'm um you know, enjoying watching him succeed thus far. Kind of along those lines, I, I did want to, you, you mentioned Shaw's in double A. Nolan Chanuel is in the majors, but we've seen Skeens is in double A, Cruz in double A. Okay, let's talk about this. We tied a little bit of a slack discussion about this, but college guys especially are being moved. I feel like we also had last year, look, well, we can put the angels in their own category. You know, obviously they did it last year as well with a majority of their college draftees, but we see these teams that are pushing guys, I would say faster to double a and above. And I'll start with saying like, we have to start by acknowledging we're in a different minor league world than we were just a few years ago. We don't have short season ball anymore. A lot of these guys would start their trip with a, a, a brief trip to the New York Penn League, or in some cases, a longer trip to the New York Penn League or the Northwest League, and then move up. That that level doesn't exist anymore. And I would say that low A, as a general rule, is low A is lower low A than it was, say, in 2019 because of that, because of the fact that you have to have places to put guys. And so it's a little younger, it's a little raw. So, okay, so let's 
start with that that's part of this part of the factor but what else do you think jeff is is kind of playing into this decision to kind of push guys more quickly especially i would say to double a which really let's just be honest anyone at double a is a phone call away from the majors in many ways like if you're in double a and having success it's not something where we it, it's not hard to find a long list of players who skip over triple a and go straight to the majors from double a yeah you know i think um part of it is probably the shrinking of the minor leagues and uh there's younger players that are at full season levels a little bit earlier. We saw that a wave of that in the early point of the season, guys skipping complex ball and going straight to the A ball levels. Um, you got younger players coming out of the complex a little bit earlier. Complex leagues are ending. So a lot of the higher draftees that might be high school guys, or maybe a younger college guys, a little bit more raw. Um, they're moving up to, to low a most of the time, especially in the Florida complex league, because all of those teams typically are right next to the comp or, or playing at the complex in the spring training parks. Um, and I think it's just kind of moving players up the chain and the ladder. And I think we've also seen teams have realized that it's better maybe to challenge some of these guys a little bit earlier, um, not have them get sort of complacent and comfortable with bad habits and have to, you know, adjust and, manage and and all those sort of things um and i just think we're seeing players move along a faster timeline as well oh and it probably doesn't hurt and i don't know how much of this is the case but it probably doesn't hurt when you know the uh you know the prospect promotion incentive exists and getting players up to the major leagues when they're ready um makes a lot of sense so you know guys that are mashing in double a and then move up triple a and hit for two or three or four weeks we're seeing those guys up now a lot faster than we used to. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. I think that we're in a, a new phase of development where teams across the board seem um, more interested in challenging their players. And that's not necessarily just with aggressive uh, call-ups to the major leagues, but I think promotions to higher levels and the upper levels of the minors and the minors. I've got two other theories I'm going to throw in on this. One is, we are now also in the age of modeling. And one of the things that factors, I believe, in a, in a lot of teams' models is age uh, at level and and also kind of... The, it, so especially the key part then is you have to perform. And I would say perform not just as far as statistically, but in the metrics that are measured and, and that every MLB team now has for every MILB team. But if a player gets moved quickly and they then perform at double a for example for instance or high a if they're a, you know if they're a teenager type thing that makes you look better in those models than the same guy doing it at, at, at 23 24 like so moving quicker if you succeed i do think can raise you up in how other teams perceive your prospects which is valuable if you are going to trade at, at some point or something like that and then the second part that I do think plays a part also is, is, and I, I've kind of brought this up when talking about like a schemes or a Rhett louder. When you look at the, when you look at this point at college baseball, especially top end, high end college baseball, you are receiving, you are talking about players who are working with the same tech, 
and the same quality of instruction as they will receive in pro ball. And so, yes, they're facing metal bats. Yes, they're fa- they're pitching in a different uh, frequency than they will in pro ball and all that. But in Paul Skeen's case, for example, we are talking about when we say, well, how was well the quality of instruction he got? A big league pitching coach. And you say, well, do you mean that really? It's like, no, we mean an actual, like they hired him away from the Minnesota Twins big league pitching coach. So when we talk about Rhett Louder and Wake Forest, we're talking about Wake Forest has a pitching lab that MLB teams look at enviously in many ways. So when you talk about things like that, there's also in some of these instances, potentially a little bit less that has to be taught. Because these players have already been receiving very high in instruction. There's still adjustments to be made and all that, but it's not the same thing as it was, I would say, 20, 30 years ago, where, again, not that there weren't good college coaches back then, but there was a bigger difference, I think, between what was being taught in pro ball and what is being taught in college than there is now, where there's a lot of cross pollination, there's a lot of moving back and forth, you know, on the on the tech side, on the coaching side, all that. And so everyone's kind of speaking the same language. And so you go to pro ball and it's not like you're having to learn, oh, they want me to do things very differently. A lot of times it's like, oh yeah, this sounds what what I was hearing when I was in college. Yeah, I'm sure. And uh, I think it probably will get to a point or is maybe even at a point we'd have to dig in and look at the numbers a little bit, but uh it's very similar to what happens in the NFL, and there's certain schools that send players to certain coaching staffs and certain offensive schemes because they know they're going to be familiar with certain terms and basic concepts, etc. Uh, and it wouldn't shock me if there's teams, especially after round five, doing very similar stuff with some of the co- you know later round college guys that they're signing for you know, the lower bonus numbers that they're bringing in guys that come from certain environments and are familiar with certain concepts and tech, et cetera. So I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I think you're, uh, you're on the money with that one. But so that's today's prospect hot sheet podcast for Jeff and JJ. Again, check us everything out at baseballamerica.com. We have team USA top prospects. We have Cape Cod league top prospects. We will have continual content coming all week we have a new top 100 update a couple guys added for graduations check it all out baseballamerica.com and come chat with us both today here on tuesday and also tomorrow as we will be answering your questions for jeff i'm jj so long everybody